This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith. He's Derek Terry. Kentucky's season officially comes to a close in Nashville. Uh, Mississippi State winners 74-73, to Derek. Uh, we talked a lot this week about Kentucky having a streak against Mississippi State, and there was some confidence there. You kind of saw that building in the second half, but once again, what a fitting way for a brutal season to end in a brutal way. Yeah, I mean, it had a little bit of everything, it seemed like, that plagued them throughout the year. Besides maybe in the first half, I, they hadn't really gotten punked that bad. Uh, I mean, it was it was embarrassing, Sean. Uh, was. I, I was embarrassed for them in the first half. I mean, just to have a team totally take it to you the way that Mississippi State did. And the final numbers were still ugly, 46-30 to 30 in terms of rebounding and then 46-22 to 22 in points in the paint. That's kind of the crazy thing, though, man. They they got totally outworked in the paint and on the glass, yet Kentucky only turned it over five times and uh, cut cut into that deficit, which was 15 uh, at one point in the second half, and had a five-point lead. And what have we talked about all year, Sean? Final four minutes, right? Final four minutes. Well, to them again. Well, well, Ware comes up with a huge rebound, Mintz hits a three to put him up five with 350 left. They score one more time in the final 350 on a really tough turnaround hook uh, by Sar, which put him back up by one. As a side note, it doesn't really mean anything. Did it seem like the game went from like 3:30 left to like 26 seconds? Yes. It's like there were no breaks, <laughs> there were no whistles, and it, you looked up and it was a final possession. And uh, a tough way to go out, man. No question uh, to, to come back that way and then. Dante did it again. I don't know how. If you were Mississippi State, you let him score 23 on you again, but uh, they did. That was a really encouraging moment for Dante, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, it would have been crazy had he hit that shot. Um, but, yeah, uh, a, a very, very difficult season for the Kentucky Wildcats has uh, come to an end, with, and they finished 9-16. and 16. Yeah, brutal way for sure. And uh, your, your coworker, Chris Fisher, actually tweeted it out. 10 out of the 16 losses this season, Kentucky held a lead in the second half. I mean, yeah, it was uh, four one-point losses. I, I think Corey Price tweeted it was it was the most in, in a single season um, for Kentucky. So I, I don't know, you know, what. And, and Cal was not committed to talking about next year either. Like there was no next year talk really with Cal. It there was, wasn't, yeah. I, I get that too, like um, – I think Kyle Tucker was the one who tweeted about how, you know, nothing matters about this game. I understand that perspective, and I understand asking those questions, and I also understand Cal and not wanting to do that. The, what, what I would say 
is for the people who might say, well, why can't they just wait a week or two and then Cal will be able to formulate his thoughts? There's a really good chance we might not hear from Cal again for in, for months yeah. in media. Now, he might have a call-in show or something where he'll wrap up the season, but in terms of actually being asked questions from the press, it could be a while. So it that's could. why they get asked. And, again, I don't blame them for not wanting to talk about it, but that is the story, though, right? I mean, whether it was today or tomorrow or Saturday, whenever they lost, it was going to be about how do you fix – what was a disaster of a Kentucky basketball season? And, I mean, it's just looking at what happened today. B.J. Boston, zero points. Devin Askew, zero points. Hmm. Terrence Clark outscored them both. And then you then you throw in Lance Ware, who played a ton of minutes along with those guys. And what, what was – I can't remember who tweeted it, but I think it was Corey Price. There was like four or five guys played a combined – I can't remember how many minutes, but three points. Like – it was it was Dante Allen doesn't show up. Kentucky gets probably not even remotely close to winning that game. Yeah, I don't know if it was these guys or not, but Boston played twenty three, Askew played twenty one. Neither guy scored. Clark only played ten, but he did score two points. And then Ware played seventeen minutes, scored one. So yeah, that's that's three points combined between four guys who. Uh, Clark didn't play significant minutes. I mean, 10, 10, 10 minutes isn't a whole lot. Good for him, I guess, to get back out there on the floor. Um. He had three assists. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I just I couldn't believe they got off to such a bad start in a game that you know you. I don't know Mississippi State had to win it too. I, they didn't get the you know the national narrative that Kentucky had because they're not as big of a program. But I mean they're they're fighting for a spot too. They're in the same spot. They have to win the SEC tournament. No one's even talking about that as a possibility. But I can see internally that uh, it just felt like they wanted it way more. And I know it's an easy thing to say, but. When you let a kid go six for six on you in the first half, all around the all around the paint, you let Mississippi State get two or three shots at it. It was just uh, it was bad. It was just a bad performance in that first half. And I turned it around in the second half and, and competed a little bit better and got some more stops. But it was a very disappointing way to go out. I mean, I wonder if some fans wouldn't have just hoped that Mississippi State would have put them to bed there early in the second half. <laughs> I mean, you got to appreciate the fight though, for sure. I think you can't take that away. It was uh, it was Devin Askew, B.J. Boston, Terrence Clark, Jacob Toppin, and Lance Ware combined seventy eight minutes played, three total points from five spots. Seven minutes for Toppin just didn't really didn't really play today. No, Cal Cal didn't see the fit there at all. Uh, also, interesting uh, note here from Corey Price: Davion Mintz, sixteen points, eight assists, no turnovers. The only Kentucky players to do that in an SEC tournament game: Chuck Hayes. And Davion Mintz. That was impressive. I, I'm looking at his numbers right now. I, I thought he did have one, or maybe it was almost a turnover, and they managed to – or no, maybe I'm thinking of another play. But I don't know, Sean. Any major – and I I guess we can talk about Mississippi State because it's the last game of the year, but I, I do think the bigger picture things – I mean, the I next we'll go – yeah, go ahead. Well, everyone. the next six weeks of this podcast is going to be bigger picture. It's this season's yeah. done. We won't talk about this anymore, probably after today, because it's done. Right. What What do you pull from this? And like, uh, what, how was this game any different than any of the others they lost this year? The one the thing that I, won? the one thing that I did like that Cal said is he he wasn't looking for any kind of just you know any win from the loss. Like there was no. You know, like, it, it's Kentucky. There's no moral victories. And he, he acknowledged that. I coach at Kentucky. I thought that was the – honestly, I took a lot from that, just in that phrase, because I think that you're going to get a pissed-off Calipari this spring and summer. Because, I look, Derek, this 
they're at a point in this program where that this can this should not have happened even with covid they should not have been this bad but you can't even remotely even have 50% of this next year this has to be a total flip oh yeah i mean like we said that they'll get to double digit wins in a normal year no problem just from a, a normal schedule they would play but to finish with nine wins this year, so I don't even get to ten. Uh, I mean, it's truly hard to wrap your head around a Kentucky basketball team. You know, having a football team within the last three years win more games than a Kentucky basketball team. I know the circumstances surrounding this year were, were tough. But, you know, it really comes down to a lot of things. But today, I guess you could say, it was a microcosm somewhat. It hadn't been a – it had been a problem this year, but not to the extent that it was today. Whenever you have, I guess most notably, we'll look at Boston and, and ask you as guys who both played 20-plus minutes, didn't even score. Um, I don't know if BJ even took a shot in the second half. I think he went like 0 for 4 in the first five minutes and didn't shoot again the rest of the game. But those are – you had to count on ask you, I guess, in the sense that it was either Mintz or him. I know maybe they thought they could have gotten Cade Cunningham. Maybe he even committed to him. Uh and then didn't go through with it. I don't know whatever you choose to believe, but Askew was eventually the guy. Like he was the only point guard they took in that class. That means there's pressure on you if you're a Calipari point guard. He didn't play well this year. BJ Boston today didn't score. If that's you know if that was the last we saw him, then I mean it's. You know, I don't know if that will be or not, but he was the guy more than anyone else, at least in my eyes. They were counting on this year to really carry them. I, I totally bought into Clark and Boston being two just dudes on the wing who would really carry this team. And you can kind of tell right away today, BJ just didn't have it. And no. um, it's just, that's, that's, it's hard to believe they missed on, and maybe, maybe COVID did have something to do with it. Maybe it was just things just didn't click. I don't know what it is, but to have a number one ranked recruiting class. And I wouldn't say any of those guys played well today that were in that class, mm-hmm. not one here on the last game of the season. So that was the big thing to me is whenever, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, if, if most of this class goes pro, I mean, the thinking could be that three of them are going where played a little bit, ask you plays a lot. Didn't have a great year. Fletcher was basically non-existent. Like I just, what did you get from that class? <laughs> I yeah. guess is where I come down to it. You know? Yeah. And BJ, I knew they weren't going to get anything from BJ when he missed two shots inside of four or five feet that you, if you're going to be elite, he has to finish. Whether that's at Kentucky next year as a sophomore or in the NBA or in the G League, Derek, those shots that he's missed inside of four or five feet this year, the one-handed scoop shots, those are the plays that BJ Boston has to make more so than the jumpers that he's missed. Like, you can't leave those points on the floor. Lance Ware, put in a position to get six points twice. Should have been two three-point plays. I think he hit a couple of free throws out of it. Could not get the ball to go in the basket. You, you, you dunk those basketballs. Devin Askew gave him, gave him literally nothing. Every time he was on the floor, I tweeted you. Or not tweeted you, sorry, texted you. And I said, why? Terrence Clark was better than Devin Askew in this situation. And then it comes let, – let's just talk about it. Let, Isaiah Jackson, gone. No chance. I just don't see it, uh, especially climbing to number eight on ESPN's rankings. Today's not going to do anything to his stock. They've they've seen enough. Uh, 
we expect Terrence Clark to go just from everything, right? Like, I mean, I would say. Yeah, yeah. BJ Boston, I'm still going to lean. I know you're leaning probably. I know you you're, you think there's a chance he returns. I think there's a chance he returns. But, Derek, I think we've seen this so many times that I won't let myself believe it until it happens. So I'm going to say he's gone. Uh, I'm just going to make a prediction that Cameron Fletcher decides to transfer. Just given some things that, you know, he I've been told. He got in today, by the way, for about 30 seconds. He got in at the end of the half. And just given some things that I've been told and stuff through conversations, I, I think he's going to transfer. What does Lance Ware do? You know, what does Devin Askew do? Like, you mentioned it, number one recruiting class. How many guys from that class are here next year? We, we've been talking about next year and all these guys coming back, and now that it's over into the end, I just don't know. It depends on what Cal does in the portal. Does Justin Powell come to Kentucky? It sure sounds like if they want him, he's coming. I mean, when Tipton Edits tweets something, you pay attention. So that seems like a done deal if Kentucky really wants him. With BJ, I mean, and Cal didn't specifically say him today, but, again, he he used things like – I can't remember the exact quote, but, again, it was along the lines of of guys being real with themselves and self-evaluating and seeing where they are. I got to think that's going to BJ. I mean, I, I guess you could take it and, and offer it up to some other guys as well. Um, but I mean, that's 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 glaring. I mean, to not score a single bucket in a tournament and, game, in a tournament game, you know, and it's just he didn't have the year. I'm sure he expected at all. No, that does hurt his stock. I mean, I just think the whole year, obviously it has, as he's gone from a top five potential guy to someone who's not even in the first round. Um, and, again, maybe his mind's been made up for for a year now. I mean, maybe he never planned, no matter what happened. And, and maybe nothing that happened this year will change his mind. I don't know that. It seems like Cal is, is pushing for it. Clark you don't hear as much about just because I think he was out, and it just seems like the whole consensus has always been that he was, he was gone. Now, Clark was a reclass, right? Was he? I believe he was. I believe he was uh, – I mean, it was known pretty early that he was going to be coming in. You might want to look that up, or I can't after I get in talk. I think he went from being top five in his class in 21 to being wherever he ended up in 2020. Um, you might be right. You might be right. Yeah, that is right. Yeah, he reclassified yeah. the day he committed to UK. God, so been, it seems like it's been forever ago. I think it was the day of the Florida football game back 2019 when he committed. But, um, yeah, for whatever reason, I've not heard any – even though he's, like, barely even in draft range right now, it seems like no one – whereas with BJ, people have budged a little bit and, and the thought of, oh, there's no way he comes back. It seems like people – and probably because Cal mentioned it last week. Yeah. But it seems like people are at least entertaining the idea he needs to that be in BJ Kentucky might jersey. come back. Do what? He, he needs to be in a Kentucky jersey next he year. He does. He does, for, I agree. No um, doubt. I just I don't see it working out for him if he decides to leave now. But again, who knows? I just don't know who's in his ear, what what he thinks. Has he not really heard from BJ this year? What did he do this year? Like, what did he do to what what is what in his game right now can he rely on? The jump shot wasn't reliable. I mean, even even towards the end of the year, sure he got hot and had a stretch there and hit like eight of thirteen, but then he followed it with like a two of ten, two of eleven stretch. He can't fish, can't finish inside of five or six feet. Not strong enough. What do you ha- what do you hang your hat on? Like most guys that go out the door, they at least have one thing that they can kind of rely on, right? What does he have, Derek? 
I mean, at Kentucky, there have been a few guys. Well, I met the <laughs> the guys that end up getting drafted, like oh yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. the Jared Vanderbilt, the rebounding, and those things. But forward, the EJ yeah. Montgomery had nothing to hang his hat on. Uh, Ashton Higgins, what was I mean? You know what yeah, I mean? At least, like, with, uh, at least with like Winnie and Gabriel, he could hang his hat on like a potential three and D type guy. And he's in and the I NBA. Pretty, yeah, it's pretty much what he's been. Yeah, um, yeah. With, I agree with you, BJ. I don't. That's kind of the weird thing about pretty much anybody that. Even Terrence Clark, with what we saw of him, which wasn't much, you could say the same thing. I don't really know what his strengths would be. He's athletic, but everybody's athletic in the league. I will say I, I looked when he was up and down the floor a couple of times today, it made me kind of get upset that we didn't get to see it all season. Yeah, I mean, he he was the one guy who you feel like with the uh, the truth, you know, the truth, a true narrative that they didn't have guys who could really break anyone down and get to the rim. I kind of felt like in time he might have – been the best hope to be that guy um but no like with bj like you're saying there are times where he shoots the ball where he gets hot and it looks very good and you can envision him being that but i don't know maybe uk system wasn't great for him i think there have been some scouts who have made i, I would call that an excuse just because i don't think cal did anything different with this offense and i get it helps having a point guard that is very good but like I don't know. I'll stick with it. I think if you put Malik Monk on this team, I think he still finds a way to be productive. Whereas BJ just didn't. He just didn't have a good year. I don't know if he was overrated or what. I mean, maybe you could say that he just didn't. He didn't live up to what was expected of him. I would say, and that's not giving up on him. I think if he is realistic and he comes back and he he gets stronger, I could see him having a very good season next year. Um, this is not to pick on anybody else, but Sean, I guess. Let's talk about Keon just for a minute. When you look at the overall picture of his season, and it's really tough with him because he missed the first, I don't know, first part of the season with an injury. Was he as consistent as maybe you would have hoped throughout the whole year? Because it seemed like there were times today, like he was, he played 18, he basically played the same amount of minutes as Lance Ware today at the end of his sophomore year. Yeah, especially in the closing weeks. I mean, they're Cal was frustrated with him at times today too. But then he then he goes and he makes a move that kind of makes you think, wow, you know, he if he puts it together and has a normal off season and a healthy fall, you could see a lot of production from him. I mean, at, at times this year we we talked about him coming back and being an All American next year, and then other times we talk about where where'd he go? Like he had some days that he struggled. Um, he's a guy, Derek, that. I just think that you got to have back. Like we talk about Keon Brooks, we talk about all these other guys that you know you hope to see back. I just don't see where he goes. Like if he has to be back next season, I think he just getting him back could be a big boost for them, along with Jacob Toppin. And then uh, obviously, I just don't know what they're going to do with. Uh, there's just a couple of guys. I don't know what you do. What do you do with Devin Askew? I mean, I just don't know what you do with him, Derek. Like he just. There was one point late in that game, crucial, crucial possession, and the ball goes back. And, and Cal, I would have been, they would have been better off letting Dante Allen with seven seconds on the shot clock try to break someone down and literally pull one from 24 feet. But instead, they threw it back to Askew with six seconds left and tried to get him in a ball screen, could not beat somebody, and they had to force up a contested shot. Like, I don't know. Like, what do you, there, there's, Devin Askew literally was a dead spot offensively. And at times, Derek, he couldn't guard anybody. He couldn't get by anybody, and everybody could get by him. 
a lot of times. I just don't know what you do. Like, I just don't know how a lot has to change about him for him to even make an impact. Yeah, I think you can't, with, you can't with go into next year relying on him. I'm sorry. Like, if they have to go into next year relying on him to play 20 minutes a game, they're going to struggle again. I mean, that would be my thing. Um, you would want to get to a point. Like, I don't, I'm not into running kids off. The thing with Askew, I just, I just don't know. I just don't know what he does extremely well. The good news is he's a hard worker, so he's someone who you could could see improving significantly. But I just think his limitations. I don't know. I just think I, just I have think no doubt he works hard. Everybody does, right? I mean, that's the yeah. thing about this level. Everybody, you don't make it to UK or, or to yeah. where those guys want to be if you don't, you know, work your ass off all the time. But I'm just saying, it's not like a kid. I mean, he, he cares, and that that he goes does. a long way for sure. Um, he's vocal, and I, I like him. I like some of the things. I mean, I like his body language and stuff. I always thought it's been, you know, good with his teammates and things like that. But and we're not sitting here hammering these kids. That's the thing that I don't want to come off from what I'm saying. It's just questioning. Yeah. You're just questioning what are these kids like. Sometimes it just doesn't work out. We've seen it not work out for guys at Kentucky. And for Devin, I hope it does. Really, really close with his family. Talk to his family more than I have any family, probably outside of Keon Brooks. But I hope he gets it figured out. But there's going to have to be a thing when it comes to Cal talking about self-evaluation. How do you self-evaluate a 9-16 and season? And to me, Devin Askew has two things he has to accomplish, a knockdown shooter and a really, really good defender. If you can do those two things, I think that he could play. But that's the focus, right? But you're talking about Kentucky. What kids come to Kentucky – wanting to work on things that make them a role player. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, yeah, I don't – but that's that's where he needs to be next year, though. I, I wouldn't say, you know, if he plays at all, it's a, it's a, going to be a struggle. I just think, being honest, on a team, if you have five guards next year, let's say – I don't know. I don't want to speculate as to who's going to be there. I just – he doesn't need to be in a role where he's playing 20 minutes next season. That's Are not Kentucky if, if they're in that spot. So Jimmy Docs said it, eight guys, eight new guys. Are you starting to think it? I still just think, I mean. I mean, that's, that's, that was a hard number to see two or three weeks ago, right? But now can you can you see it a little bit? I mean, is yeah, Cal really going, is Cal I mean, going to break this thing apart entirely? They're, yeah, I don't know. I just got your text, by the way. Sorry, I didn't yeah. even see that until just now. Uh, eight is a eight is a lot, but yeah, I mean, I don't know how how it's unless you're getting just awesome dudes from the portal, and maybe they will. Maybe maybe enough guys will come available, or maybe recruits will decide that they want to come in that 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 you can find a way to rework this to where it'll be better. But as of today, not knowing who those guys might be, I really not not to say they'll win nine games again. I don't know how it's great for you, though, to have a season this bad, lose, have to add eight new guys, and then think it'll be substantially better. I don't know. I don't know. I think eight's a lot, but I don't like. I don't think it'd be great to lose Keon Brooks. I don't think it'd be great to lose, you know, I don't think BJ needs to go. I'll say Mintz needs to come back. Like, for them to be very – like, there's a scenario where I honestly think they could be very, very good next year, potentially. 
but that scenario at Kentucky seems pretty unlikely. And we talked about this scenario, I think, uh, maybe yesterday, or no, the Justin Powell day, where we were talking about that. And uh, it was you know, yesterday, right? I think it was yesterday. Yeah, it was I, don't remember, I don't remember anything that's going on this week. It wasn't I mean, it was. but here's the thing, too, to remember. I'm trying to remember this as well. I know I just said it a minute ago, but like, with this portal stuff being so new, we saw with football some surprising guys go in. Well, basketball, too. I mean, you might get some guys who are better than the players Kentucky had this year who want to come here. And if that's the case, I guess you do it. And the good news is if they're not grad transfers, I mean, theoretically, you know, you th- theoretically, right, a guy like Powell has four years left if you get him. Now, he, he's not going to use those four years at Kentucky. But it's like adding a, basically just a new recruit, just a guy with a little bit of experience. Maybe if you can get enough scenarios like that, it could work out. It's going to be really hard to judge that, though, until we see what happens. I will say, despite what I said about Keon you know, being a little inconsistent this year, I do not think fans would be happy if he decides to transfer from Kentucky. I don't think fans will be happy. Obviously, they're not going to be happy at all if BJ goes pro. I mean, after the performance he put up today and plus this whole season, yeah. like – just going to feed the, feed the narrative we've been – it's been happening for a decade. Yeah, I mean, guys who – Those are the guys that really break it, right? The ones that come to Kentucky and struggle and still leave. I would say the ones who come here and it's perceived that they do not help them win because that's the trade-off in all this, right? Guys are here for a year, but if you're, if you're very good and you help Kentucky win, it is what it is. It's true. Guys who come here and you don't do much to affect winning – and then you still leave, yeah, I think those are the people that fans really get pissed off about. Yeah, you're, and unfortunately you're, for BJ, I think that's where he would fall into that if he chooses to leave. They remember you one of two ways. Were, were you on a really good Kentucky team or were you on a really down Kentucky team? And I think this team just, is worse than down bad, man. I think this team Well, was. this team this <laughs> team was – listen, my dad said it multiple times to me. He said, this is the worst Kentucky team I've ever seen. My dad's 72 years old. And if this is the worst Kentucky team he's seen, I believe him because he's been watching it probably since the first time he saw light. So I just think that – is it too early to do this? Do you want to wait and just throw out a number that you think, out of guys on this roster, how many guys are on the team next year? Um. You want to wait, or you want to throw it out now? Let's set the over/under at four. Wow, <laughs> is that more than you would say? So you go under? No, like I, that's I was I'm thinking the same thing that you're thinking. Well, I'm, I was going to set it at four, but Toppin's a lock. I think there's no like Toppin's Toppin going nowhere. I think Toppin's probably the biggest lock, right? In my opinion. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I think Toppin more than anybody else will be at Kentucky now because he just transferred in. He does. And obviously, we're not counting Oscar. That's counting to next year. We're counting him with Collins and all those guys. But just off this roster alone, I think Toppin, and then I honestly think Mintz is number two. Like, I just have a feeling. If it's any – maybe a better number would be – I don't think they're going to lose both Askew and Ware. So I'll have them in there. Maybe five. I don't know. I mean, like, think of, like – I've, I've said it along anyway. I didn't think Dante was leaving after this year regardless. I know some people think he will. I don't think that. And I think after today, too, the things he said about staying in the gym all summer, that sounded nothing like a kid who planned to do anything besides be at UK next year. Oh, yeah. That kid's, so, that kid's I think he'll be there. Today was big for him. 
the, it, was, mean, it was. It was. Good, if anyone can leave with confidence going into the offseason, it's Dante Allen, right? I mean, and he seemed to play a pretty good all-around game today, too. I can he remember was aggressive. Him. There was yeah. one play he made a, a dump-down pass to somebody, and they got a basket there. And I was like, wow, that's – I was like, yeah. that's the most I've seen from him. Uh, Lance Ware, you mentioned it to me. I was hard on Lance Ware early in the first half, but I was kind of – I guess I was more – I should have directed it at the coaching staff that I didn't understand – do or die situation. Why are you sitting guys with foul trouble? It's win or go home. There is the only way you get to tomorrow is if you win today. Uh, but Lance did come up with some hustle plays in the second half. He he got in on a loose ball there and got his hand on it. Ended up getting Kentucky possession and his rebound, the kick out to Mintz, I actually thought was going to be the dagger, but it turned out not to be. Yeah, I thought so as well. Um... Four to five is what I'll set it at which is significantly lower than the six to seven guys that I was talking about four weeks ago. But depending on who they add in the portal, I think the transfer portal is going to be very kind of Kentucky. And I'm not talking transfer portal from mid-majors. I think the transfer portal from power fives could be very kind of Kentucky. Yeah, it seems like we might have to just get prepared for um... – it's gonna to be total chaos, man. Yeah, it sounds like it. Like it's, <laughs> I mean, it's like like it's just some things. Yeah, around. it's it's gonna be. By the time we record again, I think there could be just total chaos. But is that a good way to? Okay, I get it. Like maybe my buddy Nick has convinced me to some extent that like this team won nine games, so if it gets gutted, maybe it not a bad thing. A thing. But again, is the is the best way to build a team year in and year out going to be? taking really good players from four or five different schools and trying to mesh them with new recruits. Like to me, if you're running into the same problem every year, we're trying to get 10 new guys and, you know, having normal off seasons will help for sure. But I still think you're rolling the dice literally every single year. If that's how you're going to do it. We've been big on continuity, right? And here's the thing. It was already hard enough to be, to build continuity when the NBA draft calls so I mean, it screams, especially when you're at a place like Kentucky. But now you add in the transfer portal and immediate eligibility. I don't know if continuity is possible in college basketball at a Power Five or at a at a Blue Blood program anymore. I just don't know. Is it surprising at all that it took this long for it to just totally go to hell? Because like they had years. I mean, after the 2015 season, what eight guys went to the NBA? They didn't bring anybody in via transfer from what I remember. They didn't that year. You only had Ulis and Poitras basically as proven guys, yet that team was top six, I think, in Ken Palm. It, I don't know. Because, I mean, last year wasn't a bad year. But I don't know. I didn't love UK last year, but the on-court, like, it's hard to – for what they ended up playing for, which was obviously the only thing we got to see was the regular season, it probably couldn't have been – the conference slate anyway couldn't have been much better. I mean, I blew the game to uh, Tennessee late, but they were they were pretty good. I it's mean, be the record was thousand days between NCAA tournament appearances for Kentucky basketball. Tyler Hero will be signing a max contract here before, uh, before Kentucky plays, uh, and he played in the last tournament. Uh, All I know is people need to buckle up, subscribe to Kentucky Daily, probably lock in because Derek I have a feeling we recorded a lot of episodes when we first started this podcast 
buckle up, buddy, because I have a feeling that we're going to be, you know, our, our most in a week was what, nine? I have a feeling there's going to be a week where we might end up doing 11 or 12, especially now that we're with Blue Wire and things, and we're just going to be churning out content left and right on here. I, I have a feeling that there's going to be a day we wake up and just it's going to hit the fan. Well, you definitely have to have – I don't know. I'll be I'm curious. to chaos, man. Total chaos. Like I'm, I'm going to go get a helmet and put it on because stuff's going to be flying everywhere. Like I, I expect it to be absolute nuts. Good, good for entertainment. Good for keeping people interested. I would say. To be determined if it's going to be actually good for the program. I, I don't know. I mean, this is the most critical off season of the John Calipari era. Should Cal got it? Should he just got this roster? Is that the right thing? That I don't know. Like, is that the right? Well, thing? here's the thing. I've been the guy that's been just pumping it in that it's going to be continuity, continuity, continuity. But there need you need Let's to bring back you need uh, to bring yeah. back who you think can help you next season. You were going right wherever I was. Anyone yep. else? Gut it. Unless they and if they don't want to commit to being a role guy and sacrificing and waiting a year or two. Because there are some guys in this program right now that I think could be good players in year three or four, but do they want to wait to year three or four? Is it fair to ask a kid to wait to year three or four? I mean, these these kids ultimately, Derek, uh, some of these guys need to do what's best for them, and if they're better somewhere else, you can't fault them. And Cal's certainly not going to fault them. But that's what makes this so surprising, right? How did this fail so miserably? Like, this was an all-systems failure. You could play this season. You could throw out COVID. You could do the normal off season. I still don't think this team would have been very good. Yeah, yeah, certainly not historically bad, but I'm with you. I'm not sure that it's – they might have been fighting this weekend to get into the tournament. Might have been would one of those. At least days. been in the bubble, I think. Yeah, if I they, don't think they would have come into Nashville with a solidified spot in the tournament. Um, yeah, it, that's, that's what's really hard to believe, and – I mean, it was good in 2012. Oh, I'm sorry, 2013. It wasn't good that they went to the NIT, but, like, they have five of the top ten high school recruits coming in the next season. That's not happening right now. You don't have that this year. I mean, you don't have – that's why you're having to rely on – you know, like, Justin Powell, if they get him, that's nice. I think he's a nice player. I think he'll help them. I think he'll be a pretty good player, probably start. But I don't know. I just think you're asking – you're putting – like, they need to be very – like, I think where he's not to make his living, if they're going to make the transfer portal a big thing, is maybe you can take a kid like Toppin every year who you view as a, as a project type who could really blow up down the road. But you really have to find that sweet spot like the Reed Travis types that maybe guys who are close, they think they might be close to the NBA. Uh, I guess you could say even sorry to, to that matter. But, like, Reed Travis has the pedigree of what you would want pretty much in any transfer you take, and they're very hard to find. He was a McDonald's All-American, highly rated recruit who was – very good at Stanford. Wanted to come here to try to improve on his uh, draft position. That didn't ultimately happen for him, but he helped the team a lot. Can you find that many guys every single year? That's where I think it's tough. Like, I don't know. If you get three guys like Mintz, how good is your team going to be? Does that make sense what I'm saying? I just I think it's really tough to pull in the right kind of transfers, and that's why I still think the high school recruiting is going to be that's where Kentucky still needs to make its living, I think, is, is really nailing down the top high school guys who want to come to college and who can help right away um, and go from there. But it's tough whenever you thought 
That's the crazy thing. I can remember thinking, I think a year and a half ago, all the talk was that Paola Bacaro and Jaden Hardy were coming to UK. So if you had a terrible year like this, but those two kids, you know, were coming in next year. You don't blink. Yeah, I mean, it would be fine. But this year, I mean, I think Hickman well, could be good. I think Hopkins could be good. I think Collins could be really good. Do you, but do you don't remember, know. I mean, obviously, you do remember it, but I can't. The uh, the game against Robert Morris in the NIT. I didn't watch it. I was playing high school baseball back then. Well, I never Jimmy Docks, I'll never forget it. Jimmy Docks, in the middle of the broadcast, was just talking about how what happened at Kentucky that year was not acceptable. And it was one of those things. It was, you know, Ron Harrow, Archie Goodwin, whoever was in that backcourt. It was a, if you don't, if you don't put it up next year, you're going to sit, because it was talking about the there's dudes coming in. If that was that was deemed bad, like that was bad. This is close your eyes and in your ears and just hope to God it never happens again. Bad. Like, this is historically bad. Like, is this the outlier of the entire Kentucky basketball history, this in 1926? Because that's how bad this was. Like, it was horrible. And But what I'm getting at is what you just mentioned. There were dudes coming in that were elite, and you could kind of see it happening. Like, you you know, you're like, okay, look, this is what it is. It's going to be fixed the next year now. Granted, if you remember when they lost to South Carolina and he got ejected, there were people talking like the end of the Calipari era was ending. I mean, the first take was talking about it. And then they go on a magical run that kind of fixed everything for a bit. But now Cal is at a worse – Cal is at a turning point. And I'm going to go ahead and say this. It's either going to be the end or the turning point to to good things. Because I – he has to make a decision, right? That's what Cal's done his entire time at Kentucky, Derek, is he's made the rock call. He's He's been the guy that's kind of jump-started things. It's been the – he's set the, the new trendsetter. What happens now? Does John Calipari make one of his Hall of Fame moves? Or does the Kentucky basketball program never get back to what it was just a few years ago? I mean, this is uh, – it's not like you're, you have Final Fours in last year or the year before. It's been – Elite eights, sweet sixteens, second round tournament loss, and now no tournament in two years. Now last year they couldn't do anything about it. This is this is a huge turning point. I, I still go back to I just I don't think I wouldn't even know who these transfers were, I guess, if they were realistic, perhaps what I'm about to say could be disputed against. I don't think the path to making Final Fours is gonna be adding four transfers every single season. I don't see it be I just don't think that's gonna be the best way because I don't think you get I don't think you get enough guys that are I mean how many elite elite transfers are there in college basketball college football there might be some college basketball though not many I don't think and that's where I go back to I just think at this point though if we spent the whole year talking about continuity and how hey here could be a silver lining is maybe the program becomes more of a normal players want to stay two or three years well, if we're already talking about guys possibly leaving after this year who didn't have a good year, that's where I get back. Like, or if Cal decides that you know, he let's say he really does want eight new guys, then nothing about the culture is going to change. And at that point, like you said, we'd have to accept that it probably will never change. And if that's the case, I find it very difficult to think they will be perennial contenders year in and year out. But hey, like I said, maybe maybe some of these guys who go into the portal or are better than I expect them to be, and maybe they want to come to Kentucky. And maybe you can – I guess what I'm trying to say is you could have a year where you really hit 
with high school slash transfers. But I think you also run the risk of having some years like this where perhaps not this bad, but it doesn't really mesh. And I just think the biggest thing he faces at this point in his tenure is feeling like you're building towards nothing. I don't think that's how this year was. Yeah. If everybody leaves and, again. And we, we're going to take a few days here and kind of watch all this play out of what happens. As stuff breaks, if stuff happens, Derek will instantly, you know, get on here and talk. But we will be migrating over to Blue Wire some point in the next couple of days. Well, I just have one last question for you before we end this. Like, what, like, what is the ideal – I wouldn't say end to Cal – like, the next steps Cal takes. Like, what do you see this program being two years from now? Like, what do you think is the best thing Cal could do to – get this program back to a – not just competing, I mean, like normal, like getting back to contending for national championships. When Wagner commits in 23, you get an elite guard. You, I don't know. Like a, a few more seasons, right? Yeah. But <laughs> here's the thing. He has to get back to it next year. Whatever it takes. He has to find a way to get back to it next year because this fan base is growing bitter, and, and and rightfully so. I mean, that's the thing, right? He said it, but that's the that's the thing. He said it today. He said it to Tom Leach in post game. I'm the head coach at Kentucky. This is not acceptable. If he wasn't saying that, I'd be very concerned. And you said it to me multiple times, Derek. He is too. He has too much pride to go out like this. And I'm not talking just one good year. He has too much pride to not get this thing rolling in the right direction again to where you're talking about Kentucky basketball being dominant. I think he'll figure it out. I really do. I think there's going to be – he's going to lose a lot of sleep trying to do it, but I do think he'll figure it out. He's figured it out before. He's figured out how to to navigate things multiple times. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I think he he's earned that. But as far as what it takes – you got to get the elite of the elite, whatever that elite is. I mean, obviously, you're not going to get John Wall, Anthony Davis, Carl Anthony Towns, those guys, number one picks every single year. But the guys you get, you can't miss on them. Yeah, we better start nailing those evaluations. And yep. uh, and if that's a staff problem, you better fix it. And that's all, that's all I'm going to say. If, if if it's not a cow problem and it's a staff problem, gut it. Do whatever you got to do to get it fixed. Because when you have a year like this, nobody's going to blink at change, no matter who it is. And I, I, I just think that that's what you have to do. Like if there's someone that shouldn't be on that bench, get rid of them. Even if it's somebody you're close to, say, "See you, buddy. It's not working out. You got a lot of money, got a lot of good memories here. Go get somebody else. If that's what it takes." Sorry, I'm just I'm spilling it now. But I just think that that's it's Kentucky. If you don't do it, if you don't, you don't deserve to be there. And I'm not saying that it's all the staff. I'm just saying, like, it's, there's no one. Somebody has to fall on the sword, right? No one on the staff or players. I mean, I don't think anybody can feel good about their standing right now. I think everybody realizes that it was a total failure this year. And there are, like we said, there are circumstances. Navigating this thing through a pandemic is what they what those kids went through it was probably tougher than anything that any of us really know but every other team did too and there have been some teams that have performed very well um this team didn't mesh it didn't 
I don't know. I, I don't. I guess the blame has to fall on Calipari because that's he's the one who constructs it. He's the one who signs off on all the all the kids who come here. He's the one who had he had staff changes this off season. He he brought two new coaches in uh, this year. And and I and think that those out. I don't think those two are going anywhere. I really don't. You better hope Jay Lucas isn't going anywhere with the. It seems like I mean I know Joel is still recruiting a lot of guys too, but Jay already got them. Damian Collins. It seems like the Texas crop that's down there. He could. He could get a couple of those kids if that's the route they want to go. But I don't know. I'm with you. I think we'll know. I mean, I don't want to rack them off before the season even begins or have any solidified takes. But, like, this is a very important offseason. And I don't know where Cal's head is right now. Maybe he's just trying to get, like, one more good run at this thing and then ride off into the sunset. I know one thing. I think this deep into his tenure, 12 years or whatever it's been, like – there would have to be some major changes, I think, to remain competitive year in and year out. And I just don't know at this point if the patience is going to be there. I don't know. We will have a much different feel about this thing two months from now, I would say. I, I know one thing. Whoever they get, I'm not just going to watch the, the the compilation of their good takes and their good highlights. I'm watching games. What else? <laughs> what else do I have to do? I will go to YouTube, and I'll find every single game that somebody played in. I'll watch the full season because I will not – Fall I will not fall for it. Now, Olivier Saar, they found out how to use him towards the end of the year. But I just think a lot of guys were just put in situations that weren't best for them. And honestly, I don't think that that's their fault. I'm not even going to blame the staff for it. I think sometimes you have things where you misjudge and it doesn't work out. And I'm just going to chalk this up as it didn't work out. But the concerning thing would be is if they don't do anything to change it. But I think that Cal is going to literally – exhaust himself you think he's aged before wait until you see him in a presser in july or something and he's went through this summer he's either going to have his tan and be all happy and giddy about another season or i don't know but also i think now too i won't listen to what he says in the preseason about the only thing that could stop this team would be covid 19 or he told told y'all that he told y'all they might start on six no one listened but after he said (laughs) after he said they were pretty much going to hang a banner pretty much is what you think i mean that's the thing like his his evaluation was off on this like what did they do Derek, in the preseason did they just have just hitting mats and stuff out there shooting layups and he thought he had a national championship contender because that's well, that's what we were going off of. When he said those things in the past, he was right. Yeah. This time he wasn't right. And I want to know what he has to say two months from now. Because there's going to be that point where Cal talks about this year, and he's going to be brutally honest about it. And I, I can't wait to see what he says. But he's going to wait until the dust settles before he says it. But I will also say this. Cal's never going to say anything bad about a kid if a no. kid leaves. He's going to build them up because it's the right thing to do. He's going to be what's he's going to do what's for these kids, and I know we're hard on them. I mean, our our job is to critique and talk about what they do in their performance. We get paid to do that. At the same time, I think you and I both want all these guys, whether it's at Kentucky or wherever it is, to be the best they can be and to have success. Certainly. I mean, no no personal. <laughs> no, it's not personal. <laughs> Something's got to change. Matter of fact, I mean, this is the only year ever doing this job where, like, and I'll say this too. Oh, well, I know you've got to run here in a minute. But, yeah, like these kids, whatever they decide to do, I mean, if they do come back, I think it will be – they will have better days ahead for sure. Yeah. I mean, there's not going to be – Hopefully Rupp Arena's full. 
yeah, they can get a better experience. It seems like Cal's been hammering that away too. That uh, maybe that's part of his groundwork is that you know they didn't get a normal Kentucky experience. Perhaps it's one of his sales pitches. Not 100 percent sure that will happen this year, but it's got to be a lot closer than having 2,500 people or whatever. I think there'll be certainly more than that. But no, it's hard to believe, Sean, that the season's over. I mean, it's not hard to believe that you know nine and 16 team lost in the first round of the SEC tournament. But just the fact that it's really the dust has really settled. Well, not, the dust hasn't settled yet. We're just putting the uh, body's not quite cold yet. I don't think we're still working through some of our takes. But like you said, we'll be talking a lot about this. And I don't know how long it's going to take for some movement to start, but it's. It is not going to be a quiet UK basketball offseason, that's for sure. No, it's uh, going to be a lot of action, a lot of news, and Kentucky Daily will be the place to find it all. So hit that subscribe button on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. It doesn't matter. Wherever you listen to this podcast, stick with us. We appreciate you made it through, or we made it through. First full season, football all the way through men's basketball. The women's team still has the tournament. Men's basketball heads to the offseason, baseball, softball, volleyball, all those things still going on. Uh, we will touch on those. We'll have an interview with uh, Kentucky volleyball coach Craig Skinner. I'll post that probably Friday morning. There won't be a mailbag episode tomorrow. We will do a postseason mailbag episode at some point, Derek, I think maybe next week. Uh, and just be ready for episodes churning out starting next week. We'll be uh, full-time with uh, Blue Wire Pods. I know we're excited about that. I will announce. When the uh, If there's any kind of delay in content or being able to listen, it will be 24 to 36 hours tops. I'll be sure to get that out there and all that information. But before we close, I definitely want to thank the Butcher's Pub for all their support this season. Two locations, one in Palmville, one in Williamsburg, and the third one coming to London sometime this month. You can visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook. Kentucky Daily's not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. Derek's not going anywhere. And that delicious buffalo chicken sandwich at the Butcher's Pub. It's not going anywhere either. Uh, even though it was a 9-16 and 16 season, we've had a lot of fun talking about it, and uh, we look forward to a lot more content here in the coming weeks. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.